Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Woods and Waters Project Podcast, your podcast that interviews hunters, anglers, entrepreneurs, wanderers, dreamers, stories of adventure, pushing limits, and just doing epic shit, stories about living a wild life. I'm your host, Steph. This episode is with an incredible woman. We talk about what it is like to be born and raised in Montana, to be born and raised in the outdoors, how hunting is just a huge part of her life. We talk about waterfowl and turkey hunting. We talk about her being a fishing guide in Alaska. Starting a company to connect with other like-minded outdoor women. And some of her really exciting plans for the future. This powerhouse of a lady is one of my absolute favorite people to follow on social media. She's extremely motivating and inspiring, and I just absolutely adore her. So happy to have her on the show. Everybody, meet Miranda. for jumping on a call with me and doing this podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm going to sound like a really big nerd, but uh, you're one of my favorite Instagrams to follow. Um, 
for multiple reasons. You're, you're probably younger than me, but you're like who I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited that we connected and I, I just am very, I'm very motivated about what you do and um, how you approach things. And I'm really excited to introduce you to our listeners and, and just talk about you. So Miranda, welcome. If you could introduce yourself, that would be great. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I honestly, I feel the same about you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I would love to just, whether it's a podcast or not, just like touch base with you and like have a conversation. So I feel like we can kind of kill two birds with one stone here. I, th- I think it's awesome. Yay. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you feel that way. Um, I, I have actually been, I think, I think this is how it started in our conversation, but I, uh, I am working on a few different podcast episodes, kind of like back to back. I would like to have a week coming up talking a, um, a week full of just highlighting women in the outdoors. So I was really excited you connected because I, I, I just think you're an incredible example of like what I'm trying to, to show, like how um, hopefully to empower like other women to get outside, get out of their comfort zone. Uh, your positivity is is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So that that really, I think the timing is really great because I, I, I think that you're gonna be, there, there's gonna be somebody who's impacted by this conversation. We don't even have it scripted. We don't even really know what we're gonna talk about yet. I know. So. <laughs> It'll be so good. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me, I can give you kind of like a quick synopsis of who I am and then we can dive into the good stuff. Awesome, <laughs> perfect. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, I am a born and raised Montanan. I take a lot of pride in that. I love Montana. And there's just like this running joke of with all Montanans, like, there's no vacancy, like, <laughs> don't move here. There's no more room. And um, I think it's funny, but I, I can't blame people for, for wanting to live here and wanting to move here because I, I've lived in a lot of different places and Montana will always be home. And I think will always be a place that I will reside until, you know, something else comes up or my husband and I have actually kind of low key talked about moving to Alaska one day, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, So anyways, I grew up in the outdoors from the time I was like pretty much a baby. Um, My dad was a really big duck hunter and he started taking me to the duck blind, I think, when I was like two or three years old. And um, him and his buddy that would hunt together actually set up this like uh, blind that had a heater and a stove in it. And they would make me hot chocolate and I could stay warm. <laughs> it was so fun. Like Those are some of my earliest memories. And, um, and I think it kind of like shaped me and my, my projectory in life was my projectory. Is that even a Traje- word? <laughs> trajectory? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it, it shaped kind of like who I have become and, and all that from the time I was little. So grew up hunting with my dad, um, mostly duck hunting and then um, deer hunting is kind of what I did the most of. Um, and then when I graduated high school, uh, I went off to college and um, where I went to college at, there wasn't really any hunting opportunities. I was out of state and um, I, I did come home one fall during Thanksgiving and my dad and I went on a deer hunt and I shot my biggest buck to date um, while I was in college um, on break. So that's pretty cool. But 
really my like intense hunting and my, you know, high country, back country type hunting that I've, you know, kind of adopted over the last, what has it been now, like six or seven years, that's all been, um, that's all been as an adult. And so um, while I learned a lot from my dad and while I learned a lot growing up hunting, um, I would say that my knowledge and my experience has like quadrupled over the last, like I said, six to eight years. Um, that being said, though, I, I went to school for engineering. Um, I actually left school, college, um, a semester before I graduated um, to start a business. And I, everyone told me, like, just finish college, just do this, do that, do that. And my thought process was, is like, if I give myself an option, I'm always going to resort back to what's easiest, which would be like a steady job, an engineering degree. Um, and so I was like, if I'm going to do this, like I just have to go all in and that's going to require me to drop out. And to some people that might sound crazy to me, it's, it's just how my brain works. And um, I feel like it has forced me to, you know, make the most of what the situation is and to grow as an entrepreneur and a person. So a little bit of backstory, um, while I was in college, I was actually a fishing guide for a couple summers up in Alaska. And while I was in Alaska, I met this group of women um, through an organization called Adventure Women. And these women from all over the world came together at the fishing lodge I worked at and they were just um, just hanging out together for the week, like going hiking, going um, on different adventures, rafting, fishing, all sorts of things. And I got the um, I got the privilege to like help them fish one morning. Um, and so I got to pick their brains, and I was like, "Wow, this is so cool!" Like, I I wish I had you know a group of friends that I could do stuff with, like they do. Um, and so that kind of like initially sparked my business idea when I moved back to Montana. So when I got back to Montana after my second summer in Alaska, I was, like I said, still in engineering school, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life because I didn't like engineering <laughs> after getting four years into it. Um, and I was like, okay, I would really like to do something similar to what the adventure women organization is doing but maybe just centralize it in montana so um i it was i believe it was january and i was like okay i'm gonna organize a snowshoeing trip um close to pretty close to my hometown and just like post it on facebook and see if anybody wants to join and that was kind of like the initial thing that i did um, and to my like surprise, there was like 15 or 16 women that showed up and we had the best time. We went snowshoeing for like three or four hours and then we went back and we had lunch together and just hung out and it was like super, um, casual and unorganized, but it was a blast. And I was like, okay, well maybe there is like a demand for this. So I started doing like overnight trips and other day trips and, um, next thing I know, you know, we're snowshoeing and we're skiing and we're um, hiking in the summertime, whitewater rafting, backpacking, like doing all sorts of things. And um, next thing I know, like it's basically turned into a business. So um, 
originally Rocky Mountain Men Outdoors, you know, started as a meetup group, turned into a, you know, retreat kind of business. And for the last like three, four years, I have organized and led adventure retreats for women here in Montana. And there's been a bunch of women from all sorts of different states that have, you know, flown out here, or drove out here to have the experience and everything as well. Um, but it, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun. Um, but also it's, <laughs> I realized that it's not, it, it wasn't going to be a business where I could really make, you know, the kind of money that would support the lifestyle that I like to live. So then I started kind of looking into, okay, like what other skills do I have? What other ways could I potentially, you know, make some income and kind of keep this as a passion project and not have the stress of like building it into like a, a serious business. And um, I, I had always been into fitness and health and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I was like, well, maybe I will kind of look into doing that. And um, so it, it kind of actually worked really well because as I progressed into taking on like a client or two or a friend or two and training them and giving them, you know, fitness and nutrition coaching and stuff like that, I realized that a lot of the ladies that would come on my retreats were also like looking to get healthier and looking to get in better shape and looking to improve their nutrition and their lifestyles. So really those two businesses kind of intertwined um, and it made it really easy to kind of segue and like shift my brand a little bit um, to incorporate kind of the fitness and health side of things. And that business actually was a lot, um, a lot easier for me to sell for some reason. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you probably dealt with this at some point in time, but like there's certain things that like when you're really passionate about it and you really just want to like serve people and help people, it's hard for you to want to charge money. <laughs> yes. Like I just want to, I just want to give people this experience and I don't want them to stress about the money part of it. Um, and that's how Rocky Mountain Women Outdoors has kind of always been for me. I've always had this like weird gut feeling like, oh, like I shouldn't be charging for this. Like this should be like a volunteer activity. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I can't be putting money out of my pocket to give people this experience. So um, it was just kind of a weird thing. But the, the fitness and the personal training side of things kind of made up for, you know, the money that I wasn't making <laughs> with Rocky Mountain Women Outdoors. And um, yeah, I've been doing that basically full time for the last few years and then just kind of doing Rocky Mountain Women Outdoors as more of like a passion project. And um yeah, I mean, my got married not too long ago. My husband and I really love to hunt and hike and do pretty much all the outdoors stuff together. So that's kind of become a recent priority is just spending more time with my husband and less time in my business. And um, I'm actually kind of in the process of figuring out, you know, maybe some somebody on this podcast, maybe some listener on this podcast is like, man, like, I would love to do that Rocky Mountain Women Outdoors thing. <laughs> and maybe maybe I'll find this little angel that comes and says, like, I'd love to take that over for you and kind of, like, keep it going because um, you and I were talking on the, on the phone before we started the podcast. And I think I'm going to slowly fade my way out of doing that business so I can spend more time with my dogs and my husband and more time 
living my life and um, less time, you know, working. So that's a little bit about me. That was kind of a, <laughs> a lot of back and forth and jumping around. But if, if that doesn't explain my life, <laughs> I don't know what does. <laughs> no, I have like, so I was like, I'm taking, I want to come back to multiple things. Um, so first of all, growing up in Montana, uh, like that, that, that's amazing to me after spending a, a couple times in Montana. Actually, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. Um, I, my most recent trip there, we did a lot of, um, we had the locals. We have, we have friends that are born and raised out there that took us like true like Montana experience, not the touristy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the whole time I was just so envious and thinking, wow, these people are next level outdoorsmen. I say that all the time, but I, I just think about uh, out west, especially Montana or like Alaska, which I have a comment on that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, it feels like you all have to have a certain set of skills if you're going to be an outdoorsman in Montana. And um, I had accidentally locked us out of our vehicle after fly fishing down the Yellowstone River and we had to uh, hitchhike (laughs) in Montana and it was my fault. And I was laughing about it because one of our friends that's local, he didn't care. He's like, people have to hitchhike here all the time. Someone's going to help us. It's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, just didn't care, like was not worried at all. But the rest of the group was, I think, kind of mad at me (laughs) and freaked freaked out. But I, it was just, um, really spoke to like how I feel of the people who are out there. Like all of our friends that are out there are into hunting and fishing and snowmobiling and, uh, they have a drift boat and a couple of them are pilots and they hike a lot and they ride their like ATVs into the mountains, which we did while we were out there. And I'm just like, yes, this is incredible. I think I'm outdoorsy, but this is, this is like what I want to be. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And I can see why people who are born and raised there would want to protect it too. And like <laughs> say no vacancy. That's really funny. I wrote that down because I thought that was funny. <laughs> no uh, vacancy. <laughs> And when you talked about guiding in Alaska, okay, that's or, or fit, uh, being a, a fishing guide and then your time in Alaska, like all of my, like all my triggers are going off. Uh, so uh, I had just helped out. I can relate so much to what you're saying. I, I just this past weekend, I coached um, and taught classes at a women's event. It's called Becoming an Outdoors Woman. It's hosted by whatever state DNR, um, they do it all over the United States. And I taught archery, uh, bow hunting and bow fishing this past weekend to a group of women, all different experiences, pretty much all of them, almost all of them have never hunted or shot a bow at all. So that was just really, really cool. It, I think that kind of stuff just makes me a better outdoorsman, a better teacher, just constantly Mm -hmm. doing that. Um, but after we were done with the class, my friend who works for the DNR, she she started talking about this woman who lives out in Alaska and like all this cool stuff she does. And I go, gosh, that's that's my superwoman equivalent, you know, just talking about how capable this this girl is. She's like, well, she's the she's the point of contact for becoming outdoor woman in Alaska. You hmm. would love, you know, she's telling me she's like, you would love her stuff. You you should connect with her. You should meet her. 
I'm like, yes. She's like, you should go out to the bow program in Alaska. I'm like, yes. <laughs> just, tell me how, just tell me how to get out there. Uh, uh, I, I won't even teach classes. I just want to take classes from her. Please take take me out there. Um, so when you say all that stuff, that is that's the stuff that like trips my trigger and gets me jacked up and makes me want to push myself and not even to mention the fitness stuff that you do, which I'm sure we'll go on that tangent. But one of the things I thought was really interesting, I think you have to be maybe the third woman maybe I've had on this call that I'm always so surprised when you start talking about your time in the outdoors and how, how little you were and how it started with, with duck hunting. That's exactly the same for me. And, I, and the way that you said it on this call about how I don't even know the words you used, uh, but I was like nodding my head over here <laughs> through the phone. Uh, when you talked about how it just, the way I look at it is, you know, that duck hunt with my dad when I was four is one of my first memories and it sticks out in my head a lot. And I remember when I, I've referred to it many times in my life and for a lot of things. And I really do think there's a reason that that out of all the childhood memories when I'm young, that that sticks out to me so much. And I do think that that is a sign of what I'm meant to do, what I'm here for, like what my passions are, you know, what, what I'm made of. And, and the way you worded it, I was like, girl, this is, this is, I sound so corny, but that's exactly how I feel about it. That, mm -hmm. that duck hunt with my dad, I, I remember it. And it has, it's, it has an impact on my life now and probably always will. And you start talking about later in life how you, you learned most of your skills really as an adult, which I can very, again, very much relate to. I got a good base when I was young, but I've really started to hit it hard the last couple of years. Um, <clears throat> and I guess tell me a little bit about that. What has there been like a flip of a switch for you? Was there something that kind of triggered you to be like, I'm all in, <laughs> I'm going for all this? Or tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So honestly, um, I, I think the big thing for me was when I, you know, graduated high school, got out of the house, um, started having opportunities to go hunt with other people other than my dad because growing up and even when I was in high school like my parents didn't really I guess let me hunt with anyone else because my dad was so um so he just really wanted me to learn you know gun safety and like the skill set and the survival skills and everything that I needed to learn when I was young that he didn't really want me to like learn anything like bad or like bad habits or bad practices from like other people when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So he really protected me in that way. So I really only had his perspective on hunting for, you know, the first 18 to 20 years of my life. Um, and then, you know, after I graduated, after I went off on my own, I started hunting with other people and I started hunting with, you know, friends and um, just people in the industry and stuff like that. And um, it really, it really opened my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I thought there was just this one way of hunting or this one style of hunting. And now I'm seeing like, you know, certain things aren't as difficult as I thought they were and certain things aren't as complicated and certain things are, you know, maybe more enjoyable to me. And so 
you know, after hunting with different people, I think that's when my eyes kind of opened up and I was like, I can adopt my own hunting style. I can be my own person. I can like figure out where I like to hunt, how I like to hunt, what I like to hunt and what I like to hunt with. <laughs> um, and so I think that's kind of what sparked it. And for me, there was one trip in particular. It was, um, I want to say it was like five years ago, I went spot and stock mule deer hunting with my bow with a couple, um, couple friends. And I had never really gotten into bow hunting. Um, my dad and I went on a couple bow hunting trips for elk when I was younger, but we never even saw an elk. <laughs> so uh, I didn't really get to like practice or like hone in my skill set or anything like that. But on this um, spot and stock mule deer hunt, I learned so much, um, you know, about, you know, just deer in general, where to find them in the, in the, uh, late summer, um, you know, how to stalk them, um, how to mess up a stock, you know, when to draw your bull back, like so many different things. And from that moment on, like, I was like, I want to be a bow hunter. <laughs> um, and so I think that trip in particular was kind of what made me realize, like, Number one, I have a lot to learn, like a lot to learn. Like I thought I was pretty good at hunting. You know, I'd been pretty successful when I was younger, you know, had shot several bucks, shot a couple elk, shot a couple antelope. And I was like, I know how to hunt, you know, and this trip just like completely humbled me and was like, I was like, I have so much to learn. And I think from that moment on, I was like, just really motivated and, um, really excited just about hunting again because I was like I thought I had had it figured out you know and um and then I just realized that there was so much to learn so um yeah from there I think you know just different things the biggest thing that helped me honestly was just going along with other people on their hunts and like watching them honestly watching certain tv shows has helped tremendously as well, you know, reading some books, talking to people at the local archery shop, um, really just like immersing myself in the in the community and in the industry. Um, there's so many people out there that want to help, especially like a female hunter who like wants to be like an actual hunter, you know, somebody who's like, I could, I want to be able to like go out my own and feel confident knowing that I could, you know, harvest an animal um on my own but knowing that like maybe i enjoy hunting with other people more but i can still hold, hold my own or um you know contribute to the hunt just as much as the person next to me um that's kind of been my goal and there's so many people in the industry that like want to help especially women like that because that's that's the whole goal of the hunting industry, right? It's to make more hunters. It's to make more people, um, you know, good at hunting because that's how they sell product. That's how they sell their stuff is to create more hunters. And so there's so many people out there that want to help, that want to, um, you know, give you their knowledge, especially if you walk into um, your local bow shop, there's probably a few older gentlemen that are over the age of 65 or 70 that just want to take you under their wing and um, help you out. And that was definitely the case for me. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where it, where I kind of decided that I was 
going to learn and figure it out and really dive into my own, um, my own skill set and knowledge. Yeah, it definitely answers my question. Uh, it, I, that, that is what, that hits home for me so much because the holding your own and contributing and all of that is what drives me as well because I think there is just a moment where I realized how much I missed hunting and how much I still didn't know. So then I threw myself in a lot of situations where I was forced to, to understand uh, with other hunters, going out by myself. I had a whole bow season where I just hunted by myself um, and just started paying attention to things and appreciating it and learning in a different way. I read a ton of books as well. It's just, I be, have become obsessed and it's, a, it's actually kind of funny sometimes going back. Uh, I, I don't know if this is your experience, but this is just coming out of my mouth, is I think something that's hard for me currently is um, some of the people I grew up hunting with or doing outdoor stuff with, which is, isn't very many, um, I think they still kind of, unfortunately, I think they still kind of see me as just kind of going with the flow and not really knowing much. They still kind of put me in, in that box a little bit. And that honestly is, is it's actually as, as disheartening as it is, it's actually very motivating for me because mm -hmm. I, I don't ever pretend to know everything. I'm never going mm -hmm. to know everything. I'm always going to be learning. But it constantly is a weird, it's a weird chip I have uh, because in the last few years I've become very capable and very knowledgeable and can decide um my own hunt if I want to go by myself. I also prefer to go with people, uh, but I have done a lot of solo stuff because I, I just wanted to force myself to learn. And I just, I really, really relate to that feeling. Um, and that's what I love to share. That's why I share stuff is I, I hope that as much as I want to mentor someone and take someone with me, I hope I'm empowering one person just to go try it themselves and, and see nature in a different way. Uh, become more aware of uh, the animal sign or the wind or why they are where they are uh, and making mm -hmm. smarter hunting decisions. And so that's just really cool to hear from other people. It's just very, it's refreshing to hear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You, um, something that you just brought up just kind of like triggered a, a thought in my head and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally, I totally relate to that. Like, having like a little bit of like something to prove almost like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, it sounds so crazy and like for me it's totally not about it's totally not about like being able to post on social media or anything like that which I think unfortunately it's that way for a lot of people but um for me it was like to prove to my dad <laughs> in the weirdest way I'm like so for example there I think it was like five or six years ago um, I went, it was my first season of turkey hunting and, um, my friend that I would go turkey hunting with actually had left for the summer to go work and, um, he had already shot his turkey and I hadn't shot mine yet. And I was like, well, I don't know who I'm going to go hunting with now. Cause my dad really has never hunted turkeys and, um, I didn't really know anyone else that had. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to go out on my own and see what happens. And three hunts later, I ended up shooting my first turkey by myself. 
and like it was such it was the best feeling because yeah. I was like I like my dad didn't think I could do it Tyler didn't think I could do it <laughs> like <laughs> and then I just went and like proved him wrong it was so funny and then kind of the same thing this last season um it was my sixth season of hunting elk with my bow and I finally shot a bull this this last fall and was on a solo hunt as well and it was like the coolest feeling because I was like man like all this time and effort all this time that I put in all these people that you know thought that I was just tagging tagging along with my dad or tagging along with friends and stuff like that like I was able to go out on my own and for my first you know bull elk with my bow I did it by myself and it was just such a cool feeling um that I really don't know how to describe but um it was it was kind of like Honestly, it was a little bit proving it to my dad, but at the same time, it was a lot of like just proving it to myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I, gosh, if I could give everyone the opportunity to have that feeling to like, like finally have the confidence in themselves as a hunter to like go out and like do something like that. It's just, it's the coolest feeling ever. Yes. 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 I, <clears throat> I try to because I am such a hyper passionate, uh, speak my mind kind of person. Um, sometimes I have to really take a deep breath and and tailor it back when I do get really jacked up about something, especially in <laughs> in, in my classes when I teach because that feeling you're talking about, I am trying to. I'm still kind of figuring out how can I just spark that in somebody so then they can have that feeling, you know? Because that's exactly mm -hmm. right. I. I don't even care if I want, I think a successful hunt or a successful outdoor experience looks different for everybody. It's not even about, you know, taking an animal and all of that stuff. It, it look, it's so much deeper than that. And yeah. if I can just, I don't know, if I can just somehow be a part of helping someone reach that feeling without me going crazy being like, I need you to feel this. I need you to experience this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Cause yeah. in my hunting class, my bow hunting class, I it was my favorite one to teach actually. And I, I think it's because I've taught myself so much. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm like, wow, I do know some mm -hmm. things, you know? It was really empowering mm -hmm. for me. And then to see their faces and their questions and and how excited they were because that group specifically only two of them ever planned on hunting the other ones the other 10 took the class just out of curiosity most of them yeah. had never shot a bow i thought that was fascinating and you know they all left really positive and understanding hunting even if they never go pick up a bow at, at least they have a better understanding and maybe some respect for what it takes like because we went over blood trailing and vitals and shot placement and ethical shooting and shooting at angles we went over all of those things and scouting and mm -hmm. the thought process and they were just you could see like the the bewilderedness in their eyes i'm like yes okay steph don't freak out don't get over excited this is so cool <laughs> yeah oh my gosh no and it's it's so cool like when you i mean I'm kind of just now stepping into the place where I'm hoping to potentially help other people. It doesn't necessarily have to be women, but maybe it's yeah. kids, maybe it's guys who have never, you know, learned to hunt or whatever, whoever it might be. Like I'm finally kind of stepping into that place where I'm like trying to educate a little bit and like 
um, you know, putting some things that I've learned on my own trips and stuff out there. Um, and it's, I've gotten so many messages from people who have been like, I have been vegan my entire life, but like watching your feed has given me a huge understanding on, you know, what hunting is. And I just love the way that you like present it because it, it makes me feel better about it. And I'm like, wow, like, especially for somebody like you who is, you know, teaching these classes and getting out there and posting things on, you know, social media and doing a podcast, like, I can't even imagine how many people that have like watched your stuff and probably said the same thing because, um, like I said, I have barely even gotten out there. <laughs> my, my, uh, my Instagram and social media was primarily fitness related for like the last few years. And I've just recently transitioned into more of like the hunting and outdoors space with social media. I've always done it my whole life, of course, but it's become my social media personal brand over the last probably year is yeah. all. And um, I'm already getting people that are, you know, talking or sending me messages like that. So I think it's so important, you know, to, to do stuff like you're saying, because, you know, those women that came to that class, like who knows what their background was. Maybe they wanted to learn more about it. Maybe they were like vegan or vegetarian and like didn't want animals to be um, hurt or, you know, killed or anything like that. And your class may have impacted them in a way that's like, Oh, now I understand it. You know, now I have a better understanding or I have more respect for those of you, those of you that are, are hunters. So, um, I love that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I am pretty sure how I connected with you at first, I think was fit like a fitness post at first, because <laughs> I think this is going to end up making like full circle here. Cause I have so many <laughs> thoughts going on in my head. Uh, when I, f I, I think when the first post of yours that I saw and then started following you was, was fitness related. Um, mm -hmm. And I love lifting. I love uh, powerlifting specifically. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have in the last couple years, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, have really gotten into fitness. Where I struggle is it helps me physically and mentally so much uh, and has f and in so many ways. And also I think one of my biggest motivators for working on my health is the outdoors because I really hate mm -hmm. when I go uh, on a really long like upland hunt in the snow and I, I, I want to die um, <laughs> because I'm, I'm out of breath. And I, I always think about, wow, I want to do all these Western hunts, but I'm pretty sure I take one step on higher elevation and I'm going, my lungs are going to explode, but um, <laughs> I'm a flatlander for sure. Uh, but it was just very motivating to me and the hardest part for me with that and it's starting to get better is making time for it it's really important to me but i put so much on my plate and mm -hmm. when i started digging deeper into like your posts and saw the fitness and the outdoors and all the all the things i'm like yes this is like what i'm working towards this is amazing mm. <laughs> yeah it's go ahead no i i was gonna ask um so, because you are still, uh, you are still doing, are, are, are you still doing the fitness part of your business? Currently? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So, 
and this is kind of like a whole nother story and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of like a sneak peek to what's coming in the future too. Great. Um, <laughs> but so yes, I am still doing fitness coaching and stuff like that. Um, I'm not like really publicly advertising right now because I, um, well, I don't really need to, to be honest. I've got so many clients and previous clients that word of mouth seems to be kind of like my best friend. Um, but yes, I am doing fitness and health, health coaching. Um, we've got a few different things coming up, especially for people who are hunters and want to get in better shape. There's a company that I think that my husband and I are going to partner with here pretty soon um, to provide um, like outdoorsman specific workout programs and stuff like that for like really affordable prices. So I'll, um, we'll have to stay in touch about that. But yes, I do still own and operate my personal training online fitness coaching business. Um, and I, I really love it. It's just very time consuming. And so um, in the light of like recent events, um, my husband and I are slowly getting some opportunities to hunt for a living. Um, and so which has been like my dream since forever and ever ago, <laughs> um, I, little fun backstory. I actually, do you know who Jana Waller is? Yeah. So when I was like 17 or 18 years old, I had, I'd watched her show Skullbound TV for like ever. And my dad was like, you kind of look like her. <laughs> and so I just like had this like girl crush on Jana Waller from the time I was like a high schooler. And I remember I was like 17 or 18 and I sent her a DM on Instagram and I was like, I was like, I know you're super busy and you're like famous and stuff. And, um, I was just wondering like, if you see this message, if you would have the time to kind of like tell me about your story and like how you got into the hunting industry and how you started your own TV show and all this stuff. And it was so funny because about a year and a half ago, she finally read that message from when I was like 18 and she responded to it and she was like, I'm going to be at this like expo thing. Um, and I would love for you to come cause I'm going to talk about this story. And I didn't end up being able to go to the expo, but like ever since her and I have like kind of become like Instagram friends and yeah. like we always comment on each other's <laughs> stuff. And, um, but anyways, like all this has kind of come full circle from that, the time I sent that message and um, my husband and I are working closely with a couple different companies and we're actually um, one of the companies that we're working with right now. It's called Forlo for the love of hunting and it's a it's a new um, camo brand and they're based out of Montana and made in the USA. So it's actually the only outdoors apparel company that's 100% um, sourced and manufactured in the United States, which is really cool. Um, but we are partnered up with them and they're basically paying us to go to all the total archery challenges across the United States this summer. Um, and we will be driving a 40 foot toy hauler from Montana to Pennsylvania <laughs> and back here at the end of the month. So, um, <laughs> We'll be on the road for like probably two and a half or three weeks in this like huge wrapped 40 foot toy hauler with a big diesel pickup <laughs> driving across the country. <laughs> um, so I just laugh about it because it's like a few weeks ago, like none of this was even on our radar. 
And like now these opportunities are popping up and we're like, you want us to do what? (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, There's a couple other companies that have, um, we went down to this total archery challenge and I met um, a bunch of different people down there as well. Do you know Amy Hall by chance? Yeah, I, um, yeah, through Instagram. But yeah, yes. so I actually I met her at the Total Arch- Archery Challenge in uh, Belvedere, Tennessee, and her and I connected. I'm like, man, you should definitely connect with her, too, because you guys have a similar mission. And she's so, so sweet. Um, she has a podcast, too. Yeah, she's the but, like her wild outdoors, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, what I'm saying is like if you have the opportunity to go to events like that, like the total archery challenges or, um, you know, any of the like foundation, um, like banquets or anything like that, like the more you can, if you do want to get into the outdoors industry, like I didn't realize how important it was to go like network and meet people and meet these brands and stuff like that. But like literally this one event that we went to in Belvedere, Tennessee, like middle of nowhere, Tennessee, um, the smallest total archery challenge of all of them. We networked with so many people and literally like (laughs) my husband and I have been pretty much on the phone all week with different companies and brands of talking about like how we can partner and what we can do for them and what they can do for us. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed because this is like what I wanted to do forever and ever. And like, like literally out of nowhere, it just kind of like popped up out of the blue. So um, that's a little bit of a sneak peek of like what's to come. Um, and part of the reason why I'm kind of like slowly trying to retire or hand over the reins of, um, my Rocky Mountain Women Outdoors business, but yeah, lots of exciting things coming. I would say so. That's incredible. I, I truly do think that it's crazy how fast things can change. Um, and that is a very prime example. That is so incredible for you guys. That's awesome. I was going to ask you about the archery challenge and how that went. Um, I was kind of stalking your feed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It Like, seriously, have you ever been to one of them? I have not. Where do you live again? Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Um, we actually might be driving through Iowa on our way to Pennsylvania. I'm not sure. I'll have to look. But... Um, what, what part of Iowa again? Like, you don't have to tell me the exact place. Yeah, but. eastern Iowa. So, okay. um, all, almost to the Illinois border. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to look at our route and see if we're going through that area. But um, I was going to say, how far are you from, like, Seven Springs, Pennsylvania? Oh, my mom and I road tripped out there that direction. Um I'm just going to look it up. Yeah, because that's when the next Total Archery Challenge is. That, like, honestly, like, I I feel like I'm, like, pitching the Total Archery Challenge right now, which I'm totally, like, have zero affiliation with them. But, like, it was seriously one of the most fun and best experiences I've ever had. And, like, especially if you're somebody who is a bow hunter um, and you want to, like, connect with people in the industry, like these events are like they could not get any more perfect (laughs) that is uh 
that was actually a recent conversation I had about doing these archery challenges. I kind of put myself in a funny situation. So I bought myself a new bow. Um, and if anyone out there is trying to buy themselves a new bow, not directly from a store, but ordering it from the manufacturer, it is taking a very long time currently. Um, oh, yeah. And I was told I was going to have it at the beginning of April. Um, so I sold my bow to a friend. And my bow now is going to be the end of May. As of right now, it could be later. So I've been using um, my recurve. And oh. so I haven't been using my compound bow at all because I don't have one. So because I sold, I sold mine thinking that oh, I was going to get my new one um, like any day now kind of thing. And yeah, uh, yeah it's it is backlogged. And from my understanding, uh, that is really common right now that if you're ordering from yeah. a manufacturer with parts and just everything, all the craziness this last couple of years have been has, has been it has a big impact on. Uh, manufacturers so yeah I'm in a weird scenario where I don't really have a bow that's set up for me I could get one but I just spent a lot of money on a brand new bow and all that <laughs> and everything so I don't know what to do I think I just have to wait at this point yeah um I mean yeah that's frustrating I Travis and I actually have a couple new bows on um, on the way as well and they were they're being sent from a manufacturer as well and i believe they're like eight weeks out um at least so i don't know how long you're having to wait but we're gonna have to wait at least eight weeks it sounds like yeah <clears throat> yeah and it, i think it depends and and everything but um and i understand it it's really not that frustrating i have so many hot like hobbies and things i do related to the outdoors and and I have so much on my plate. It's totally okay for me to take a step away for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but archery is one of my favorite things to do. It's always going to be kind of something I go back to and lean on. Uh, so it is just a little weird not having a bow. I'm so excited to have, I've never bought a brand new bow for myself. Um, so I'm very excited, but it's just so, so much waiting. And I, I, I cannot wait to do an archery challenge. I think it would be a good, um, it would for all the reasons that you said I, I, is it pretty mm -hmm. physically is it pretty physically challenging as well Sometimes. yeah so uh i mean there's different courses like based on like experience level and stuff like that um but i will say like people you know people come to me all the time asking for help like getting in shape to like hike or especially like do like western hunting or western outdoors kind of things and there's, I mean, and after leading multiple backpacking trips and hiking trips and stuff with my other business, um, a huge piece of that kind of stuff is a mental, like a mental toughness or a mental state. Like it's, it's very mental. I would say it's more mental than it is physical. Um, and cause there was, I mean, there was not, I'm not trying to be rude here, but there was very, very, very overweight men at this last uh total archery challenge and they were able to do the courses i mean they were tired when they yeah. got done and everything but like um you know in my opinion like if they could do it like i, I feel like if anyone got themselves in the right mindset yeah. they could do it as well so yeah. they're not i mean 
they're not like extremely physically demanding, but they are like, I was definitely out of breath and I was definitely like, Ooh, that was tough, you know? Yeah. But the Sitka course, especially it's the most, um, the most like technical course of all the courses that are at the total archery challenge. And I want to say it was like six or seven miles long. And I like went down to Tennessee going like, Oh, this is like the flat land. Like, we're going to be good. Like we're hiking in Tennessee. <laughs> um, and I, like I said, I was impressed with like how, you know, challenging the courses were um, being somebody who's used to hiking up, you know, 10,000 foot mountains and stuff like that. So um, they, they are physically demanding for sure. But I think that adds like a really, um, a really good element to the shoots because when you're in a hunting situation, it's not going to be like a walk in the park. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to have to push yourself physically. And so I like the realness and, and the, the real element to um, the actual shoots for sure. But the cool thing about it is, is like nobody keeps score. I mean, some groups keep score, but it's not like a, it's not like a tournament where like you're keeping score and then there's a winner at the end. So you literally just go shoot and have fun. Like you go with a group, you pick your group, um, you sign up for a shooting time, and then you just go walk the course and shoot these 3D targets. And, like, if the if the tape is set at, like, 80 yards, you can walk up to 20 yards if you need to. Like, nobody's going to be there to be like, no, you have to shoot it from this distance. Like, so you could bring your recurve and just walk up and shoot the targets from close up and um, – to have a good time that's what it's all about like everyone's there to shoot their bows and have a good time and get outdoors and hike around and get some fresh air and meet people in the industry like it's honestly the fact that they do it that way and they don't you know make it into like an actual tournament where you're like keeping score and there's lots of pressure on you that adds such a cool cool element to the total archery challenge that i feel like wouldn't be there if there was that like super competitive aspect to it yeah no that's what i was wondering like that thank you for explaining that to me because i that's kind of what i am looking for as far as i want it to be uh a challenge for me and put me in a real life scenario but not so much that i can't go for it you know like it it almost sometimes the way i see it portrayed is almost that um it's gonna be really hard and I want it to be on. I want it to be some level of hard, right? I want to push myself. Uh, mm -hmm. That is what I would be looking for. So that's that's awesome. That motivates me more to do it. <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. I'd always. I've never. This was my first total archery challenge that I've been to, which is kind of funny because there's literally one that ha the biggest one that happens every year is like an hour and a half from where I live. <laughs> so here in Montana, and so I'm like, why have I never been to one of these? Um, <laughs> but it's funny because they their business is only like three or four years old really and yeah so it's still a really new thing but it's like gained a lot of popularity within the last couple of years and you pretty much have to register um by the very first of the year to even get a spot um in the montana one so um i always somehow forget to like register in time and then i'm like oh it's fully booked can't sign up this year um so but the, the Tennessee one was open for registration, like, the day of the event. I'm, 
I'm guessing the same situation with the Pennsylvania one. Um, but yeah, they're really, really cool experience. Not at all what I was expecting. I'd seen a lot of the, you know, men and women out there that had been to these total archery challenges. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know if I can shoot a hundred yards at a target. Like, you know, I was under the impression that you had to, um, but it's, it's so laid back. It's very on your own time. It's very like at your own level. And so you can walk up closer to the targets. You can change the angle you're shooting at if you don't feel comfortable shooting at it. Um, but the biggest thing is, and it was so funny to me, um, everyone was like walking around with like two dozen or more arrows because they just knew they were going to lose or break <laughs> or, you know, shatter arrows. So it's just like a thing. Like people just go like, yep, I'm going to lose arrows. So I better have, you know, a few hundred dollars worth of arrows with me because it's just bound to happen, you know? So yeah. it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I think they do seem really cool. I, I, I can't wait to start working towards that as a goal. I think that's a lot of what I'll be focusing on um, is going to something like that and being around more like-minded people and everything. Uh, that has been the best part of the podcast and social media um, is the people part because in in small town Iowa, there Iowa is kind of known for you know whitetail hunting, right? There's mm -hmm. people who that is like their dream hunt. Uh, yeah. So you would think you would grow up around a lot of outdoorsmen. Um, I definitely didn't at all. And even so, even some of the outdoorsmen I'm around, um, it, it's to an extent, it's not as involved or as aggressive as I like to be about it or, you know, all the like, mm -hmm. things I like to do. So it's really cool to be on social media and connect with people like you and so many that I have through the podcast. And I want to be a part of more events like that. I want to teach new people, but I also want to be around people who are going to make me better. And I feel like something like that is going to put me in a like a good headspace and be very motivating. So I think it's yeah, awesome. it's it's super cool. And like I, I think one thing that like so I have a few friends that live out in Iowa and like Missouri and stuff like that, Arkansas, and it's the kind of same situation. Like they have like turkeys and whitetail and like sometimes bears, but mostly turkey and whitetail and i'm like okay like we have turkeys in montana but they're merriams and they're like the easiest birds to hunt <laughs> they're, they're not the smartest of the turkey um the turkey uh, what am i trying to say they're not the smartest turkeys out there compared to like easterns and stuff like that yeah um and like we have whitetail here also but everyone hunts whitetail like a Western hunter for the most part, like nobody sets tree stands or ground blinds or anything like that. Nobody has like food plots or, and I'm sitting here going like, man, like I have, I could learn so much about whitetail hunting from like somebody like you. And it would be so cool to like go out there and like really like learn your craft and like learn, you know, how to set, where to set game trails, how to scout for whitetail, like how to, um, uh, how to set tree stands, like where to put them, like how to account for, like there's so many different things that we don't really have to think about when it comes to our hunting that I feel like if we could like, you know, learn from each other, like how much better of a hunter I would become where even where I live, but also like 
I could go like, oh, like I'm going to get an over the counter tag, you know, somewhere where you have to hunt, you know, kind of more of that like tree stand, ground blind, food plot kind of hunting. Um, and I just think it's really cool. It, it's something like I, I've been like kind of dying to find somebody who, you know, has, you know, the knowledge and the experience and stuff to like go out and teach me how to do that and then like bring them out to Montana and be like, okay, here's how you hunt mule deer. <laughs> I love that. I, I actually, that has come up a lot and I need to really consider that more. Like I, w- I would love to do some sort of trade of experiences and knowledge and doing that together. I think that would be amazing. Um, even I was setting up a Osceola turkey hunt this year. Uh, it mm-hmm. did end up working out and it's going to have to be next year, just like dates and stuff. But the, uh, the man I was talking to, I just like thought it was, fa- it's not that I downplay anything about what I hunt out here at all. Cause it is special and I love it. You know, I, I, it's not to me a downplay. It's just sometimes other places just seem so fascinating and so far, far fetched. Right. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. Even this guide I was talking to about an Osceola hunt, he was like, well, He's like, I would consider uh, doing a trade for for a coon hunt. I was like, what? <laughs> you you, you want to trade an uh, Osceola turkey for a, a raccoon hunt? Really? <laughs> and, uh, and he just wanted that experience. He hadn't done it for a really, really long time. And he wanted to go with people. So Iowa has really uh, great coon hunting, the the coon like fur and the habitat and everything is really good in Iowa. Um, so it, it's just like different perspective where it like threw me off because uh, Osceola turkey hunt is, you know, a $1,500 hunt. Um, so, uh, and we go, we go coon hunting almost every night. <laughs> so it's oh just, it's so crazy. But to him, that's the, the norm. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I want to learn. I love turkey hunting. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so I felt the same way in that situation. I'm, I'm like, okay, I will do this with you and you teach me how to be a good turkey hunter in other states because they are different in every like state. They're just, there's, there's some that are just a smidge smarter than the others. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. Like I, I love to talk about turkey hunting because it, <laughs> well, first of all, it's, it's, it brings me the same excitement that like a bugling elk brings me for some reason like I just get so fired up when I hear them gobbling and you can call them in like I think that's so cool but um we have we only have Miriams here in Montana and um I I didn't even realize there was such thing as an Osceola turkey until like this year and um my my husband and I have an opportunity that we're I think we're actually leaving on Monday to go to Nebraska um and I'm like I don't even I don't even know like what the difference is all I've heard is that Easterns are really hard to call in and Miriams are like the easiest like most by the book birds to call in and I'm like okay like how do we even hunt these other ones like what what's (laughs) going on here you know but it's so funny how like different different birds are different you know like from the the Easterns to the Miriams and all that kind of stuff like how they're just slightly different when it comes to like the hunting tactics and how to call them and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, wow, like this gets really intricate and people probably like myself, like I thought it was all the same, like 
oh yeah, like with a Miriam, you can just basically keep calling until they finally get there. But sometimes calling with Easterns will just scare them away. And um, it's just, yeah, it's super interesting how different hunting can be in different locations and different, like, I guess, breeds of animals and stuff. In Nebraska, we will actually have, Nebraska is considered like the top turkey hunting state in the United States. They have, um, so in Nebraska, you'll have Rios, Miriams, and Easterns, um, and then you'll have hybrids too. So some of those species of turkeys breed together. Osceolas are only in Florida. In the oh, United that's, that's right. Yeah. And so Rio Grands you'll have, and what's interesting is most of them sound, well, so it's kind of hard, right? Because you don't have to sound perfect to call in a turkey because every turkey sounds different. But um, so like Rios and um, Easterns will sound slightly different. I can't remember right now which one is higher pitched sounding, but just in general, their like sound is like one of them is like more shrill than the other one. But I think in Nebraska, I think it'd be interesting to understand um, if they're all if they're more similar in Nebraska, because since all three breeds are together all yeah. the time, I wonder if they're more. I don't know. Maybe I sound silly, but I, I I would maybe they might be more similar in their behavior because I think they all probably hang out together. I think. Um, yeah. The golds, uh, which are in like New Mexico, Mexico, and Arizona, and the oscillated ones are the ones people confuse with osceolas sometimes. Um, yeah, those are those like are down in like Mexico. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. I love turkey hunting. I I really I really really love it. Um, I keep trying to go on these like big turkey hunts and it just never really works out. So Easterns it is for me, <laughs> which is totally fine because I love it. <laughs> but yeah, well, gosh, like I feel like from what I heard, from what I've heard from lots of different people, is if you can um, successfully hunt. Uh, an eastern bird you'll probably be pretty successful hunting pretty much any other so um that's super cool i i like i said i don't know if we're going to be hunting rios or easterns or miriams um when we're in nebraska i'm not sure yet but it'll i'm hoping it's either eastern or rio rios because um we only have miriams in montana and i'd like to hunt something different but we'll see yeah, no, that's that's awesome. In Nebraska, from everything I hear, um, I know that it can there's can be a lot of hunters there. But I do know that the um, I can't think of words. The population of turkeys is really healthy there, and yeah, it's my brother and my dad actually just went out there um, on the opening weekend. They scouted the weekend before and then went out opening weekend. And I I know they had been telling me that. It was busy. There was a lot of hunters out there, uh, and unfortunately, they were cam- they were tent camping and they got snowed on quite a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I know that that and from everything I hear, I think I've had a few podcasts. We'll go on like a turkey hunting tangent, and I've had a few guests like just talk so highly of Nebraska. So I'm really excited for you. It's so pretty. Like the part where the turkey hunting is really plentiful is, is really beautiful. And, um, I just heard it. I just heard it's a great experience. So I, I think you're going to have a ton of fun. I'm, I'm like, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. We, we have an, a, an opportunity to hunt, a, a, like a 5,000 acre piece of private, um, and we'll have it to ourselves. So 
I'm hoping that there hasn't been a ton of other hunters there this year that have like really like <laughs> made the birds go wild. Um, but we'll see. It, it'll be a really cool experience just to see Nebraska. We've really never been to Nebraska. It's so funny when we were in South Dakota while Travis was guiding snow goose, snow goose hunts this spring. Um, we drove down through Yankton and just like crossed over into the Nebraska border just to say we'd been to Nebraska, but neither of us have actually ever been to Nebraska. So I'm, I'm just excited to see some new country. And, so when um, were, so wait, he, he guides snow goose hunts? He did this year. He, he's guided bird hunts and duck hunts kind of all over the Northwest, um, forever and ever, but this spring was his first year guiding snow goose hunts in um in south dakota and so i went with him and we did that this march i believe it was march yeah really so okay so so my so my boyfriend's a snow goose guide um i was in south dakota with him for two weeks um in march uh just just this past march and i'm mm -hmm. actually going to guide school in july uh, so he, his, like the guide service he works with, they actually had me kind of be like their grunt worker. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was like pulling spreads, scouting, um, working with clients, like all of that. Like we would have been there at the same time, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you in like Southern or Northern South Dakota? Um, more Southern. Okay. We were yeah, in, so um, I am like blanking on the town right now. Um, I was just like th so thrown off by you saying that uh, we were, but yeah, that's awesome. Like, that's awesome. I did not know that about you guys at all. Um, oh my gosh. Too bad we didn't know about this like earlier because we totally could have linked up. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. You said you were like outside of Yankton. We were, we were... Right outside of Sioux Falls. Okay. Yeah. So we, um, we were, I'm trying to think of the, we were close to Mitchell, um, which is a little bit west of Sioux Falls. I think it's like an hour and a half west of Sioux Falls. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Like, I'm surprised like that. I mean, we're far enough away probably that we wouldn't run into each other, but um, like sometimes in between, like during the day, I see, we were only an hour away from each other. That's just, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, that's. That's really, because we were in Canastota a lot, um, which mm -hmm. is right between Mitchell and Sioux Falls. So that is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure when we were out like scouting and trying to find fields to set and stuff like that, I'm sure we probably ran into like one of your guys' spreads or maybe yeah. passed you on the road or something. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, definitely. That is so funny. I mean, for like the, you know, that whole time we go to the same like two like restaurants, you know, to eat or the two bars basically to eat every night. Yeah. Um, that is so crazy. But yeah, no, I, I actually ended up um, bringing up a bunch of girls, well, girls, women. Um, I did like a ladies hunt while we were there and um, it was so much fun. We, the hunting was like really slow when they came, they came kind of closer to the beginning of March. And as you know, like the weather was super weird at the beginning of the month and the birds kept like flying back down south and then coming back up north and it was like kind of tough at the beginning of the month. So we only ended up shooting, I think, like three birds um, in two days, but um, it was 
the most fun ever. We, and we should totally maybe plan another like girls hunt for South Dakota if you guys are going to be um, guiding again next year. Yeah. Um, yes. So, well, this is a, so I am going to be hosting a women's hunt in Missouri, in Rockport, Missouri, um, in March, early March. Uh, and we'll be taking two groups out. And we were talking about a South Dakota one as well. I don't have plans for a women's hunt in South Dakota. I have one planned for Missouri um, the first week in March. And so, yes, I am like all in. <laughs> I'm doing something like that. I think that would be amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, it's to- funny because like all the girls that came over, well, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five of the ladies that came over were from Iowa. <laughs> So that's amazing. I don't know. Yeah. It, honestly, I realize like how small the circle, like, so I don't know even, it's just crazy hearing you say that because um, in our, I've mentored a women's, I've mentored a few women's pheasants hunt, pheasant hunts. And the last one I, I mentored I had two girls that were only a couple years younger than me and they're from 20 minutes away from me and they love hunting and all this stuff. We knew a bunch of the same people. I never knew they existed, right? Like growing up, I did not have girlfriends that were into the outdoors. Um, I hardly had guy friends that were into it. Uh, And so I was like, where have you guys been my whole life? And this like past few weeks, I did uh, a turkey hunting class and one of the girls in the room, uh, same exact age as me, her life story is almost identical to mine and mm-hmm. um, like grew up hunting, never had female friends, came to this turkey hunting class to like network and be around more people. And I was like, how do you live so close? How-? She grew up going to the 3D shoots when she was young, the 3D archery shoots. Um, we went to the same clubs. We were joking around about how we both used to get first place trophies all the time because we were the only girls our age that would compete. We never oh. ran into each other. Um, it was just so crazy, like how much being a part of all these things has brought to my eyes that there are people around me who love this, but they just like don't find each other. Yeah. And that, that's a beautiful thing. It's also a disheartening thing at the same time. I'm like, where have you been? (laughs) Where have you been? Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, totally. And it's interesting because like, what's so cool about waterfowl hunting to me is that you can go in groups and it doesn't take away from anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, whereas if you go like big game hunting with somebody, like it's more likely that like one person will have success. Like, I don't know. It's waterfowl hunting is really unique in that you can spend a lot of time with everyone and everyone, everyone has like equal opportunity to like have a successful hunt and stuff like that. Um, And I really, really, really enjoyed that um like group uh duck hunt or snow goose hunt that we had and like I met two girls that I would have never otherwise met and one of them lives in Montana and I think we have some things planned this summer and this fall potentially and the other one um she lives in South Dakota in Sioux Falls and like I just absolutely adore her too and I'm just like man like if I would have never like posted like randomly, like, does anybody want to go on a snow goose hunt? You know, like I would have never met those girls. And so it's just, I don't know, super cool how 
you know, events like that, like putting together like group hunts or just getting out and duck hunting or waterfall hunting can like bring you to those people that maybe live in your backyard and that you would like love to be friends with that you don't even know exists. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I had a, I lost my train of thought because I was going to, I was going to ask you something. Um, well, what, do, do you feel like waterfowl is your favorite type of hunting or what, do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite type of hunting? Yeah. Um, so I like waterfowl for certain reasons, of course. Um, it's, like I said, it's fun to do in groups and, um, get out with people and, and connect and stuff like that. And it's nice. Cause like a lot of times, not so much snow goose hunting, but like duck hunting and goose hunting, at least for where, from where I'm from, it's kind of like a morning activity. Like you go set the spread in the morning after you scouted the night before, and then your hunt's over by like 10 o'clock in the morning and you still have the rest of the day. Um, so I love that aspect of it. And also it kind of gives you something to do, um, at least for us in Montana after like big game season's over. Um, but I have to say, I am super geeked out over elk hunting. I imagine so. I I've never I've never been, and it's and it's something that's absolutely on my bucket list. Um, it sounds like far fetched to me, kind of, but I imagine it is. I imagine it is something to behold. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's I I don't know I. <laughs> I'm, like, still just, like, so pumped after last season's hunt, and um, my husband and I have been watching this bull for three years now, and we think he's still alive, and we've been, like, you know, trying to get him on game camera, and we found him on game camera and um, and in our binoculars last uh, summer, and um, I ended up shooting the bull that I shot before... I got a chance to see that other bull, but I've heard from one other hunter that hunts that same area that he's still alive. So I'm hoping he's still alive. And I'm really hoping that either myself or Travis can have an opportunity to at least see him this year. Um, so like, I don't know, I'm just like super geeked out over it. And it's like, they're such big animals and they're so beautiful and they're so smart and they live in like some of the craziest country. And it's just like, I don't know, hearing bugles, getting the chance to like see those things like up close and personal. It's just like, holy smoke. Yeah. I, I bet it is like, I, I've been to um, Colorado a few times and, I was there during the rut. This wasn't a hunting trip. This was just like a like a vacation trip, um, and the elk came down from the mountains and they were everywhere. Uh, we were at this like I was at this cabin um, at the base of the mountain and stuff, and got up really close and personal to them. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised with myself how close I got to them. Like I felt like one of those tourists that they all talk about, like shouldn't get that close to the animals. Uh, <laughs> and I was just so, um, I was hiding behind a tree and I took like a bunch of pictures of a couple like younger bulls uh, fighting and stuff. And I 
just was so um i don't even know how to describe it it, it was just a really really cool uh cool feeling and i ha since then have daydreamed a lot of like what it would be like to go up in the mountains with them and catch them up there and watch them and like seek them out hunting it just sounds really extreme to me um but like in the best way i i definitely want to do something like that I, i'm i just think that's very cool that that's like your reality <laughs> it's amazing oh my gosh i know it's uh yeah i <laughs> i'm like I, I joke with Travis, I'm like, okay, after I, like, after I get a few more elk under my belt, I would be willing to consider moving to Alaska, but <laughs> I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I love elk hunting. Really That's special. amazing. Yeah, it, I would, I would think so. Is there, um, like, a next adventure uh, coming up for you or for you guys that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, um... We've got, I don't know, we've got a lot of things planned, but um, we, this year will be our first year targeting antelope with our bows. And um, so we're, we're both really excited about that. It'll be a new, new challenge. We both um, harvested a few antelope with our rifles and, um, and I'm excited to kind of have that new challenge of um, trying to get one with our bow. So that's kind of like the big exciting thing this year is just bow hunting antelope but we don't we're pretty much staying in um in montana for the most part this this fall hunting season and then um i'm my big goal is to harvest both or all three my deer my elk and my antelope with my bow during archery season and then um hopefully take a bunch of friends out and family out um during rifle season and just kind of enjoy rifle season with with other people and stuff like that so yeah awesome are there are there any uh i i feel like there's so many follow-ups we could have i feel like i say this to everybody uh is is there anything that is on your heart or i didn't ask you that you wish i would have asked you or anything you want to share yeah um I I don't have too much to say other than like if there's anybody yourself included if anybody ever has any questions about like hunting out west or um anything that we talked about in this podcast today like I'm an open book like I don't have a ton of followers but sometimes people look at me and they're like oh my gosh like you're famous and I'm like no I'm I'm just the same as you know a person that has 100 followers on Instagram so um, shoot me a message. I will respond. Um, we can talk, we can have a conversation. I'm not always, I will preface this. I'm not always like the quickest person to respond, but like I will respond. So if there's anybody out there that has questions regarding anything we talked about, um, you know, fitness related, hunting related, anything, I'm an open book. So don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. How, how can people find you? Yeah. So, um, Pretty much all of my handles on social media are Miranda.huff. It's kind of spelled weird. So are you going to be putting um, this in the Yeah, I'll add notes? links. I'll add links to the show notes. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So just you, best way to find me is Instagram at Miranda.huff. Awesome. Well, I, <laughs> I almost don't want to end it. <laughs> but I, I like really appreciate your time and, um, 
like making the, making this work with me and, and sharing this with everybody. I, I think your story is really cool. And there's like so many pieces of it that I like, I want to know more about. I mean, I just think your time as a guide uh, growing up and, and, and becoming like this, you're, you're on this path of becoming this badass. You're already a badass in the outdoors and just the fitness journey, everything. Like I, I, it's all really inspiring and speaks to me in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I'm excited to watch your adventures and I hope I get to meet you sometime. It sounds like our paths could cross pretty easily. <laughs> at this oh yeah. Point. No, um, honestly. And I, I go out of my way to make stuff like that happen. So like if I realize that I'm only an hour away or something at some point in time, I'm just going to shoot you a message and be like, um, okay, so what do you want to do tomorrow? <laughs> So we'll make it happen sooner than later, I'm sure. I would love that. And if it works out to snow goose hunt together, whitetail hunt together, shoot both together, <laughs> whatever, yeah. I would love it. Um, and definitely stay in touch. And I, I really look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and the fact that you thought about me. Yeah, for sure. Have a great day. Awesome. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Miranda, again, for being on the show. It was awesome. Everyone listening, I hope you loved the episode as much as I hyped it up. I absolutely am pumped to have gotten to know her, learn from her, and you guys can follow along as well. That will be in the show notes of this episode, as always subscribe, send Woods and Waters Project a review. I would love to hear from you. I hope you're enjoying the episodes. I hope you're enjoying this season. I hope you're getting out there. And until next time, thank you. <laughs>